There's a passage of scripture that's been holding my heart for over two weeks. I just can't get it out. It just grips me and holds me. And I think my interpretation of it is correct. Now, if I am not interpreting this correctly, then I'm sure that what I'm saying is correct from other passages of Scripture in the Bible. I'm sure it's in line with uh, not only the Word of God, but my practical experience in dealing with people for a great many years. Uh, These are the verses which I wish to call special attention. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now there are two expressions which I like to call special attention, or two words. The first is, come unto me. Second, learn of me. Now I don't think they mean exactly the same thing. I think the first is essential to the second. Uh, but I think the second means something different from the first. Come unto me and find rest. What kind of rest? I think he's talking here about the rest of security. Now notice. Come unto me and be saved. That's essential. That's the beginning. That's where we start. If you're not saved, you can't uh, enter into this next uh, statement. Learn to me. Salvation's essential. That's uh, preliminary. That's first step. That puts you in the schoolroom where you can learn. That puts you in contact where you, the teacher can teach you and you can understand what the teacher is teaching. So the first statement's important. Come unto me. That's what he says. Come unto me for security, for rest, for the salvation I have to offer. Now remember that these people were burdened people. I said many times I never knew what it meant to why Jesus talked so much about Virgil. I went to Palestine. You folks who have been there know that animals are burdened, donkeys are burdened, camels are burdened, men and women are burdened. It's a land of burdens. It was especially so in the days of our Lord. Now, in addition to that, remember this. The religious leaders of the day had laid a burden upon the people. Ye that are heavy laden. Now, notice, heavy laden. That carries out that something had been put on them. Somebody had laid something on them. Heavy laden, you're carrying something that's been put on you. That was so in the realm of religion. They'd put everything on them. They'd hung on to their tired shoulders, every kind of tradition. There they were staggering on the burden. They were laboring all the time, trying to carry the load to get security, get salvation to be saved. How like our day. Talk about the age in which we're living. You think you're reading current literature. There are 10,000 voices today clamoring to be heard in this world. Telling people what to do. Do, do, do. This way. Come here. Take this on you. Here's the way out. This is the road to security. You hear it everywhere. You read in the newspapers. Strange ideas about salvation. Lands today are filled with superstition. Traditions of all kinds. Every sort of suggestion. And if Jesus Christ were to come today, I think this message would be just as appropriate as it was then. And I think if he came today, as he came then, and said to many religionists today what he said here, they'd hate him as he's hated him. He offers a way out from under the burdens of man, burdens that have been laid upon people, the struggle of the souls of man to find light and salvation. He says, come unto me. You don't have to be on such a strain. 
You don't have to carry this load. You don't have to struggle like this. Come on to me. I'm here with you. I've got what you need. Oh, folks, listen to me today. He does have what we need. He's the only one that has what the world needs. He has what you need individually. If you listen to me over the air day and don't know Jesus Christ, listen to his words. Come unto me. Get some rest. Give up your struggle to save yourself. Quit all this effort to fix yourself up presentable to God. Come unto me. Come be all the ends of the earth and be saved. Come to me for security. You can't get it anywhere else. No church can give it to you. No ceremony can give it to you. No preacher can give it to you. No angel can give it to you. No system of theology can give it to you. No philosophies, even though philosophy itself may be Christian, cannot give it to you. The salvation, no other name. There is no other name. Underscore it. No other name. Given unto him among men, whereby we were saved by the name of Jesus. Come to me, you poor struggling people. Staggering under the load laid upon your already tired shoulders by the hands of religion. Come unto me, get some rest. I've seen them come that way many times. I was just thinking uh, as I sat here this morning before I got up to bring you the message about a revival service years ago in the state of Mississippi. A wonderful woman, brilliant woman, charming woman, uh, intelligent, cultured woman. She dabbled in every religion in the world. She tried out theosophy and she tried out Roman Catholicism and Protestantism. She tried almost every system that men ever heard of. I didn't know much. I was just a boy preacher. She knew things I never heard of. I hadn't studied the book she'd studied. But I lifted up Jesus Christ. Somebody told me that that woman would be the first mourner in the meeting. They said she's a charming woman, a cultured woman, a woman of a great influence and refinement. She's more intelligent than the people with whom she moves. But she's always seeking after God. Trying to find soul rest. Trying to get out from under the burden that crushes her. Trying to unload that terrible, awful something that she's carrying upon the shoulders of a soul which she's never had any rest. And I said, you watch. When you give the invitation, she'll be the first one followed. She's worn out every preacher that ever preached in this country and fatigued every evangelist. And she'll talk to you. And you'll have a trouble. So I gave the invitation, just as they said this charming, lovely, refined, cultured woman came down the aisle, very humble too. And she said, I've been seeking the Lord for many years. I said, you have? Oh, yes, many, many years I've been seeking the Lord. Well, I said, you've never found him. She said, no, I can't. Well, I said, that's strange. You're lost, aren't you? Yes, I'm lost. Well, Jesus said he came to seek and to save the lost. So you're looking for him. He's looking for you. It looks to me like you'd get together somewhere. And she looked up at me so astonished. I said, now, I want to test this thing with you right clearly and see if we understand each other. You want to be saved, yes. You know you're lost, yes. You know you need Jesus, yes. 
All right. Is there anything in your life you wouldn't be willing to give up to be a Christian? Now, it isn't giving up that saves you. But I was just testing to see if she was really, genuinely sincere. Most people that are uh, telling you they want to be saved, want to be Christians, and want Jesus Christ, don't really want him because they do not want to give up something that they'd rather have than have Jesus. So I was just testing. I said, would you be willing to do whatever you want you to do? She said, I'd do anything you want me. I said, all right. I said, if Jesus Christ was standing right here, I'm standing and telling you something, would you believe it? Why, she said, certainly. You know I'd believe I said, all right, here's the Bible. He said with his own lips. He said it, man. Him that cometh unto me, I don't know why he's cast out. Do you come to him now the best you know how? Yes. Does he cast you out? She said, I don't. I said, now wait, I don't want but one word from you. I want a yes or a no answer. No arguments, no discussions. A yes or a no answer. He said, him that come to me, I'll know why he's cast out. You said you'd believe him. You'll come to him the best you know how. Does he cast you out? He said, I, don't, I didn't ask you how you don't feel or how you do feel. I want, lady, I want just one word from you, yes or no. You're going to tell Jesus Christ he's a liar or he's a, told the truth. You're not going to dodge this issue. You're going to face it here today. She said, let me read that. And the Bible, she read, Him that come to me, I'll know why he's cast out. You've come to him, best you know how he is. What did he say? He said he wouldn't cast you out. Does he cast you out? She said, he said he, now wait a minute, yes or no? She said, no. He doesn't. I said, what does he do? I shall never forget that woman and that experience as long as I live. Light flashing over the cliff tops of her of eternity came into her face. She says, he takes me. He saves me. And this is the first moment of spiritual rest I've ever known. Now that's the kind of rest he gives men that come to it. The one that recognizes him as the Son of God and the Savior of the world, able to save the uttermost all who come to God by him, come to it. Resting. That's security, that's salvation, that's getting out from under the burdens. Uh, that's getting out from a load piled up upon the shoulders of men by sin and circumstances and sometimes by religion. I think that's the first rest he's talking about. I hope you've had that. But did you know you can have this first rest and not have this second rest? Now, wait a minute. I may want to go to heaven when I die. Long for heaven sometime. And one day, by faith, I take from the nail-pierced hands of Jesus a title to a mansion in the sky. Go on about the business. Where are you going when you die? I'm going to heaven. How you know I have a title? Deed from heaven. Purchased for the blood of Christ. I'm going to heaven when I die. Go on down the road of life, undisturbed, unafraid. The consequences of eternity don't bother me. That's the rest of security. But I can have that rest and not have the other rest he's talking about. Very few people ever do have this other rest he's talking about. Very few people have ever known what it means to have rest for the soul, even after they're saved. They have the security for the soul. And the tight rest that security always brings. But uh, not soul rest. 
Oh, listen, I want to say this, and I hesitate to say it because it might be a little misleading, but I'm just feeling my way along with you today. But I'm going to say it anyhow. A man might even be a pretty useful man and never have this. A, a Christian might do a great deal of good and never really have this rest. You know, the old prophets of the Old Testament didn't always have it. Old Elijah came into town like a thunderstorm. Shook the foundations of the community. And yet one day old Elijah said, I suppose I just will give up. You're all going back home. I'm alone. And the Lord's left me all alone. You know, there's a little flash in this scripture that might indicate that even John the Baptist liked a little of John the Baptist said, I wonder if he could be the one we've been looking for. I'm in prison. I'm shut in by circumstances here. And I don't like a prison. Courageous John the Baptist. And when Jesus said, Whom did you go out to hear and see? Why, he said, Nobody ever born a woman was greater than John the Baptist. And yet John the Baptist said, uh, Ask him. There's little indication that I have a little disturbance. A little lack of rest. Circumstances were serious. He knew how to go down to Jordan and baptize and preach repentance and dare to tell the truth under the spell of his courage that made him be willing to sacrifice his head. And yet now it comes to a time where he says, I just wonder. It's a little comfort to me to read that about John the Baptist. I wonder how I'd be in prison. Wouldn't happen to me if things didn't go exactly right. Line of me, and you can find rest to your soul. Now listen, line of me, get what I have. You can have what I have, rest of soul. Rest unto your soul. I am meek. What is meekness? I ran through my concordance and tried to find out in the Bible different things the Bible says about meekness. Well, uh, a meek man is a man that's free from uh, resentment. He's not easily provoked. He doesn't uh, feel bitter even though a man persecutes him. He's perfectly meek. A lowly man is a man that, uh, well, he, he doesn't have any inordinate ambitions. He belongs to lower class people, just lowly, just common, ordinary man. He's not clamoring to be president or governor or anything else. He has... None of the struggle of his soul for position and power and influence. What about Jesus? He could have been rich, but he chose to be poor. He came down out of heaven where he was perfectly comfortable, where all the angels bowed in his presence to become a servant. 
What did he come for? To die on the cross. To bear the sins of men on the cross. It pleased God to bruise him. He went there to die. On his way to Calvary, always Jesus was composed. Always. He never saw him rather. He didn't want anything. Except to do the Father's will. Foxes had holes, birds of the air had nests, he had nowhere to lay his head, didn't bother him. Got tired, nothing wrong getting weary sometimes. There's nothing wrong or abnormal about sitting down to rest or sleeping at night. He's not talking about that kind of rest. He's talking about unrest of the soul that does keep some people awake at night. Rest of the soul. Oh, how Christians fret and few fuss. Go to church and fuss for the go and fuss and go home. Somebody has something you want and you don't, you think, and yet you just stop to think you have maybe 10,000 times more things there. Children community have clothes that a little nicer than you think your children. Instead of sitting down counting what you have, you see a little dress on somebody and you don't have for your children. <laughs> oh, you go to heaven, I suppose, and you die. But you sure won't have any rest while you're gone. Tormented, pestered by every little nothing. No peace yourself, no happiness yourself, and nobody around you has him. Home's always disturbed. Some women right now this Sunday morning that go to church ordinary. House of God. Fuss at night, fuss at time, fuss all time, fuss, nothing suits you. Ambition. Not enough money, not enough for this, not enough for the other. Go on down the road like, going to heaven, I think some of them go to heaven because him that cometh unto Jesus he'll not cast out. But they never learned the secret of soul rest. And all oh, the trouble they've caused in the world. Worn out their husbands, their wives. Worn out father and mother, pestered relatives and friends. And there's nothing on God Almighty's earth the matter with you except something in your own life, some kind of an ambition. And the psychiatrist says you are frustrated. <laughs> All the little truth that psychiatry has all a little flash of it, and they don't know much about it after all. There isn't any single thing that psychiatry offers the world that Jesus Christ doesn't offer Christian people right here if they have. Good old spending money to try to get a fellow to pull some kinks out of it. 
I'm not saying you shouldn't. That's all the sense you have and all the experience you have. Don't know about this thing yet. Oh, I know there's such a thing as insanity and physical. I know all that too, but no excuse for a Christian being frustrated. Faith and frustration don't go together. If you have adequate faith, you don't have frustration. How are we going to get this rest? (laughs) Say, there's only one way. And that's by the grace of God you to bring the inward makeup of your life and soul in harmony with setting to the same pitch as the will of God for your life. If your soul is set to this pitch of God's will, you'll have peace in the soul. I've told you many times, let me say it again, there are two aspects of the will of God. And let me make that clear because that's very hard for some of us to understand. First, the direct will of God under which very few people ever have lived. Completely. The permissive will of God, under which most of us spend our lives even after we get to be Christians. Girl didn't see me yesterday. She heard me over the radio. She's in love with a boy she wants to marry. Folks against him. This girl, father and mother, don't imagine a very good Christian people. Rather impressed with the personality of the girl. This girl is uh, in rebellion. She's a Christian. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think she's saved. But she wants what she wants when she wants it. And she doesn't want what God wants her to have, and that's obedience to her father and mother while she's still so young. She wants what she wants more than what God wants for a child. That's frustration. If you want for yourself more than the will of God for your life, you'll be frustrated. You'll frustrate everybody around you. It's a shame and a disgrace the way some of us who call ourselves Christians live. Have a title to a mansion in the sky. Going to heaven someday. Saved by the grace of God. But we know absolutely nothing about rest of soul. I am meek and lonely of spirit. Learn of me. And you can have rest for your soul. I've known a few folks that have. Perfectly resigned the will of God. I saw a woman one time who had been bedridden for many, many years, and I remember over 60, I think. And she's the most contented person I think I ever saw. All she talked was about the goodness of God, what a wonderful time she had, privilege of prayer. She thought that God let her stay in bed that way just for her own good. She was a very wild girl, she said, and she said God put her in bed and so he could talk to her. 
and to let her be a witness for Jesus Christ in the bed of affliction so she could show that God's grace is all right for an invalid. You've got able-bodied women and girls in this country and men fretting and fuming and fussing about nothing. Nothing, sir. Jealousy, strife, want things. And if you had everything on God Almighty's earth, you think you want, you'd be more miserable than you are now. Because you just haven't learned from Him. And there you are. And that's the way you live in. Rest your soul. What did he say? My yoke is easy. <laughs> oh, it's hard to be a Christian, but it isn't hard after all. Hardships is a good soldier, but a good soldier of Jesus Christ glories in hardships. You know how to do this thing? <laughs> uh, get shoulders strong enough by the grace of God to take the burden. He didn't say he wouldn't put any on you. He just said it'd be light on you if you'd learn of him. It'll be hard on you if you don't learn of him. It doesn't matter what the burden is. If you learn of him, it won't be hard. His shoulders could carry it. Down to the cross where he died. Where he hung in agony in blood. Never turning back. After they'd done everything that could be done to him. Young lad said, Father, forgive them. They know what, what they do. And then he said, In thy hands I commend my spirit. There was never such a peaceful death in human history. He can give you something of what he had if you'll take it. I have been thinking so much here lately, and I'm preaching to myself this morning like I'm preaching to my friends and maybe my lovers. And all the students here and all of us. Most of us are making a mess of this business we call Christian living. Ambition. Want something. Listen, you have no right to want anything except what God wants you to have. And if he wants you to have, you'll get it. And if you get it by his permissive will, it'll torment you all your life when you get it. Come unto me. Find rest. Security, salvation. And then uh, learn of me. How you can have rest to your soul as you go down the way of life.
Years ago, a preacher friend of mine told me about an old farm that went to New York City. He never been there anyway from home. All his life, he'd felt like maybe he'd like to go sometime on a trip. I've met a whole few old saints along the road of life that have said to me, I never did get to travel, but often thought I'd like to go to New York or London or somewhere. But I suppose it wasn't God's will. I just read about it and I like to talk about it. I'm interested in a certain place I'd like to see. But it's all right. I've never had the privilege. I'm perfectly satisfied. Well, this old farmer thought he'd like to travel. So some friends from town took him to New York. All day long, day after day, he went sightseeing. Walked up and down the crowded streets, and his feet were tired. He'd been used to walking the plowed ground falling along the plow in the furrows. He came back to the hotel that night, and all these rich friends from town, for he was a pretty good farmer, had the respect of the men of business affairs in the city. They're all talking about what they'd seen. The old farmer took his shoes off and propped up his feet in a chair, he said, I'm very thankful to God. I haven't seen anything today that I want. Don't want anything God doesn't want you to have. And want what God wants you to have, and you'll find rest for yourself. You'll never find it wanting something, even wondering if he wants you to have. Let me say it again. And I never said anything from the pulpit on Bob Jones University campus this Christian, modern Christian group needs over the world more than this. Don't ever want anything that God doesn't want you to have. And just want what he wants you to have. And you'll be happy. And your troubled soul will find rest. The sort of rest the Lord Jesus Christ had. Our Father, help somebody that's never come to you who's heard this message to come for salvation and security and get out from under the burden that's been laid upon them. The awful struggle of trying to find salvation by something they can do, a man can do, or ecclesiastical machinery can do. Help them to rest in Christ. Then when they do that, help them to learn how to have rest in the soul as they go down the road of life towards our eternal home. Help us all to be better Christians after this message. Help the preacher who brought the message to know this lesson in his own heart. The rest that God gives day by day to those that learn this lesson from him. We pray in thy name. Amen.